there was a man that um, went over a cliff, right? So he's, he's, right, he's walking right up to the edge of the cliff, and he slipped. And as he slipped, he's scrambling, he's grabbing rocks. I, mean, I don't know what you do. He's, he's reaching for anything he can find, and he can't grab anything. So it just comes up empty. He goes over the cliff, and as he's going over the cliff, falling down, he's still scrambling, still reaching. And as luck would have it, there was this one small branch sticking out from the face of the cliff, and he grabbed it, and he held on. He's about 10 feet from the top and a couple hundred feet from the bottom, and he is screaming as loud as he possibly can, help, help, anybody, somebody, help. And he's screaming and screaming and screaming. Finally, he hears a voice that says, I'm here. Oh, that's great. Can, can, can you help me? Just uh, maybe throw a rope, just anything. He's like, just let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. Who, who are you? It's, I'm Jesus. I'm here to help you. Just, just let, let go of the branch. Uh, I'm Jesus. Wait, instead of that, maybe just, could you, um, like, you got to pick up truck, like, a, a rope to the bumper, throw me the rope, pull me up. And just let go of the branch. And it got real quiet. And the guy's holding on. He just yelled out, is there anybody else up there? That, that's kind of where we are, Right? We, we might have help being offered to us, but if we don't really know who's offering the help, it's a little tough sometimes to accept it. Um, I don't know if you've ever broken down on the side of the road. Anybody here ever broken down on the side of the road? Um, and then, like, you know, you're sitting there. You, need, you know you need help. That's obvious, right? Um, we've had some car trouble, and we know when we need help. You're sitting there, and then maybe somebody pulls up, and they're a total stranger to you. You're not sure if you want their help or not. Because you don't know if they're the world's best mechanic or if they're Dexter, right? You don't quite know, right? What's going to happen to me? I mean, Sydney's my daughter. She, I, when she starts driving, I will tell her, do not accept help from a stranger, right? I mean, if we, the thing is, if we don't know the people, we tend to stiff arm them, keep them at a distance. Last week, we, we talked about this. He's called the helper, he being the Holy Spirit. He's called the helper because we need help. I mean, don't make it obvious, but just check out the person next to you. They need help, right? He's called the helper because we need help. But the problem is this. If we don't trust, if we don't know, we'll never receive the help. Let me give you the big idea this morning right up front. When we know the helper, we can trust his help, right? When we know the helper, we can trust his help. The goal this morning is to dive a little bit deeper into who the Holy Spirit is. Just who is this this thing, this person, this whatever that we call the Holy Spirit. We've heard about him. We don't always know who he is. So let's just do three. Three things that we know about the Holy Spirit. First one right up front adamantly the helper is God okay the helper is God um most people say yeah I get it I get God the father God the son right I get it like he's God we, we read him we just had Christmas right my favorite holiday season of the year we had Christmas and so we had on the, the word behind me said Emmanuel remember that and Emmanuel means who wants to win the prize God with us so we know that. So like all Christmas long, we're singing these songs, and it's beautiful, and we're all dressed up in sweaters, and we're excited, and we say, it's Emmanuel, man, it's God with us. And that's because Jesus, 
is God. John 1 said this, that the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where we get Emmanuel from. We get that, right? Like all of us are like, yeah, okay, God the Father, okay, that's God the Son. We don't quite know what to do with the Holy Spirit, do we? Sometimes it seems like, like we got the, the, the Trinity. Like that's a, that's a Christian belief. Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people get tripped up over that. Like, I don't know how the, how's the Trinity work? What is the Trinity? How do I explain the Trinity? They get real theological. And I'm not trying to explain it to you right now because there's people that are smarter than me with lots of letters at the end of their name, and they can't even agree. But here's kind of how I picture it. The Trinity means that there's one God, three persons. I'm one man, and I am a father, and I am a son, and I am a husband. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's Paul the Father, there's Paul the Son, and Paul the extremely awesome husband, right? One person. And sometimes we get tripped over this. And so we go, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you, Paul. God, God the Father, uh, got it. He's, he's like the, whoa, he's the big dude, right? And you got God the Son, he's Jesus. Okay, I get it because like, we, we kind of have to believe that because we're not getting to heaven without Jesus. But I think... We don't know what to do with the other guy. It's like God the Father, God the Son, and some crazy uncle named the Holy Spirit, right? I don't know if you've got a crazy uncle or not. I, 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 I don't, and if I did, I wouldn't say it because we're recording. But I've, I looked up crazy uncle stories because I love crazy uncle stories. You can find anything on Google. Just Google crazy uncle stories, and boom, there they were. Here's some things that happen in real families with real uncles. My crazy uncle has one glass eye. When I was young, he used to cough and pop it out into his drinking glass at restaurants. It's nice. I had a crazy uncle here. It says, my uncle fed a deer a piece of bread with his mouth. My uncle would throw quarters into a fish pond and then pick me up by the ankles and make me pick them out and give them back to him. Nice. When I was younger, one time at church, my Nana was singing, and she had her arm up, and she was praising God, and my uncle ran up to her and gave her a high five in the middle of the service. <laughs> he used to write love notes in the hymn books, making them sound like they were from one person to another in the congregation. Oh, can, I would get hymn books if we could get somebody here to do that, <laughs> right? Oh, I watch you when you sing, and you're so beautiful, and I wish I could meet you, and here's my number. I would love, and anyway, let's just move on. Last one I found said this, my Uncle Frank. My Uncle Frank used to fight roosters in his backyard. He raised fighting roosters in his backyard. He taught me how to shoot dice when I was six. He noticed one time a cancerous growth on his neck, so he sliced it off with his pocket knife. Wait, this is my Uncle Frank or my Uncle Dexter? <laughs> what is it? Weird. Here, listen to this last one. I used to have five or six dogs, five to six dogs, until he came home one day and found that somebody had broken into his house. Since the dogs obviously hadn't done a good job protecting his house, he shot them. Okay, that's weird, right? And the thing about crazy uncles is this. We accept that they're in our family, don't we? But we just kind of keep them at a distance because they're crazy. And I think sometimes that's kind of how we see the Holy Spirit. Okay, Paul, I'll say it because I'm supposed to. I'll accept that he's like God, but he's a little crazy, and I'm going to keep him off at a distance. I'm going to stiff-arm him like I wish the Panthers had stiff-armed Seattle a little bit better last night, right? 
I'm, yeah, I'm going to keep him at a distance. So sometimes it's like the father, the son, and that other guy, like he's, he's like the cousin twice removed, right? We don't quite know who he is. I want to give you proof this morning from the Bible that the Holy Spirit is God. Because if we see him as God, it changes everything about how we interact with him. Here's a, some verses that you can write down. I'll try to read them all to you, but if you don't want to turn your Bibles, that's cool. Just write them down. John chapter 14. John 14, verse 16, Jesus says this, I will ask the Father. So Jesus is talking, so when it says I, I'm talking about Jesus, I, the Son, will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That's the word that we talked about last week, paraclete. Not parakeet, paraclete, that's the word. He'll give you a counselor. So in one verse, we have the, the Son, the Father, and the counselor. The Son asks the, the Father to give the Spirit. John 14, 26, same chapter, 10 verses later. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The Spirit is sent from the Father to remind us of the Son's words. John 15, 26, over one chapter. Jesus is still talking. He says this, when the Counselor comes, that's the Helper, when the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Spirit is sent from the Father to testify about the Son. Now, back three or four books to the left. Luke chapter 3. Jesus is getting baptized. It says this in verse 22. We'll start in 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized also. And he, as he was praying, heaven was open. So Jesus is being baptized. He goes down under the water. He comes back up, just like some of you have over here. Some of you will be over here. Right now you can't because we're filling it with diapers. But you'll be, he's baptized. He comes up. And as Jesus comes up, here's what he hears. As the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. So you've got the Son being baptized, the Father speaking as the Spirit comes down. Last one, Matthew 28. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Matthew 28, verse 19. This is called the Great Commission. You might have that in your Bible. It says Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses, verse 19. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in verse 19, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see there is that it doesn't say in the names of, right? It doesn't say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. This is what the Trinity means, okay? This is important. Why is this important? It's important because if we see the Holy Spirit as anything less than God, then we'll always see him as an option, won't we? It's like when you go to McDonald's. You ever go through the drive-thru? You order the meal, right? And so because you're trying to be healthy, you get the diet drink, and then you get, like, all the fries. on. And they say this, would you like to supersize it? Or would you like to have, would you make that a medium or a large? What they're saying is, would you like to make that death, right? No, I'm good. I'll just stick with a heart attack, right? I don't want to make it death yet. But it's like we almost see the Holy Spirit like that. Like, okay, I've got to have God. I've got to have Jesus. And the people that are really passionate about God, they check off. They want to add on. Like ordering the Apple computer online. They got the basic computer, but then they're like, man, I want, I want tons more RAM, and I want a bigger hard drive, and I'm definitely getting the Apple Care warranty. They're like, it's an add-on. Sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like an add-on because we don't see Him as equal, 
as God. But when we see him as God, we can't treat him like an option. We have to treat him like a necessity. The stakes get higher when we see the helper as God. Acts chapter 5, one last section here. Now, this is in the early days of the church, right? And so some people in the church felt like, you know, hey, we'll sell some stuff that we have and we'll bring the money to the church and the church can distribute that money to the poor however they see fit. It's kind of like what we're doing with the diapers, right? Except we're not selling houses and real estate. We're bringing diapers. We're going to throw them in the, in, the, in, the, in the baptistry and we're going to trust that the church is going to distribute that to all the people in the church that are having babies because there's a ton of people having babies as they have need, right? So this man named Joseph at the end of chapter 4, he sells some land. He sells some property and he brings all the money he made and he gives it to the apostles. And he says, look, just use the money however you want. And these people named Ananias and Sapphira, so that's where we pick it up in chapter, in chapter 5, they saw that happen. So it says this in verse 1, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now you got to picture this, right? They can do whatever they want with the money. It's their money. But they acted like they gave it all, right? They acted like they gave it all. They even gave the impression to the leaders, we'll see, Peter, that they were giving everything that they made. We sold that thing for 100 grand, and here's 100 grand when really they sold it for 150, right? So here's what happens in verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Who did he lie to? The helper. Right? He lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to read the whole story, but they're going to die. I, can you imagine the offering being like that in church? Like, you come forward and you give me a dollar. And I go, how has Satan so filled your heart? <laughs> That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? And then, like, you die. <laughs> like, we would not have a church, would we? I'd be dead, too. We'd all be dead. Everybody take the offering. All right, just dead. Because he's not an option. The Holy Spirit's not an option. The Holy Spirit is God. He continues, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Verse 4, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Right here, Peter equates the Holy Spirit and God. Okay? I, I, all I want you to see is this. The Holy Spirit is God. The helper is God. He's not an option. He's not an option. And, and because he's God, that's one of the reasons that we will never understand the Holy Spirit. Play, play a little game with me, okay? Here we go. Raise your hand if you understand everything there is to understand about God the Father. Okay. All right, let's try something different. It's just warming up, right? Raise your hand if you understand everything there is to know about God the Son, Jesus, and why he left heaven and came down here with us. You're scratching, but I thought you were raise your hand. I was like, we got a smart person here. Anybody, any takers? Any take? Any take? Okay. See, here's what I want you to get. When it comes to God the Father, when it comes to God the Son, we, we just tend to believe not in a bad way, but we believe. We, we kind of accept that they're smarter than we are. God's bigger than we are. I'm never going to understand everything about God, about Jesus, about all that he did, but I'm still going to believe. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, if you're like me, we tend to do this. Well, if you can explain it all, I might 
might think about interacting with the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying to you, you'll never understand it all. I can't teach it well enough for you to understand it all because I can't understand it all because he's God. So don't make that a prerequisite. Just accept the fact that he's God. When we understand that he's God, we lose the luxury of stiff-arming him. We cannot afford to ignore God. So here, here's the second thing. He's God. We know the helper's God, right? The helper is a person. When um, I was in uh, maybe middle school, maybe ninth grade, I spent two weeks with my sister Laura at my grandparents' house in Knoxville, Tennessee. They had us come over for two weeks. It was fantastic. They called it New Establishment. We were under new management. Um, my, my parents were the old management. For, so for two weeks, we got to go do anything we wanted to, like Dollywood, the whole thing, like University of Tennessee football game, the whole deal. And so I went with Laura and then my two other cousins, David and Doug. And so it was three boys and one girl. And so Laura was on the outs. And so my cousins, because they were awesome and cool, they thought it would be really fun if we just didn't even, if we just pretend like Laura wasn't even a person for two weeks. Right? So they got me to go along with them because I wanted to be cool like my cousins. And I was young enough that I didn't care about, you know, like my sister. So um, that was sounded terrible, but you know what I mean. So we went along with it. And so for two weeks, we didn't refer to her as Laura, as a girl. We just called her it for two weeks. Like, we'd be sitting there, like, hanging out, talking, and I'd get a snack or something, and they'd go, what do you think it wants? How, how does that, how do, you think, how do you think it, what do you think it thinks about that? Where's it? Where'd it go? I mean, for two weeks. So at the end of two weeks, you tell me, was Laura feeling really close to us or really far from us? She was far. Totally, totally. Like, did she like us or hate us? She hated us, right? Did she feel loved and valued or did she feel rejected? She felt rejected. Man, that, that's the world of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? How many people refer to the Holy Spirit as it? As a force, as a formula, as a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it. A couple of verses for you to jot down. In Acts 28, 25, we find that the Holy Spirit speaks. Now, if you're going to think of anything, I'm thinking about inanimate objects, maybe you're not old enough to have had a pet rock, right? But some people in the room had a pet rock, right? And, and what I want you to get is this. We interact with inanimate objects differently than we do with people, don't we? Like if you had a pet rock, you might have played along a little bit and named your pet rock, but I don't think you had conversations with your pet rock. Did, did you? <laughs> we have counselors available if you did, Right? We don't interact with inanimate objects. And so as long as the Holy Spirit is a force, an it, an impersonal thing, there's no impetus to even interact. But when he's a person, we start to interact. So he speaks. Ephesians 4.30, the, the word actually says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So that means that the Holy Spirit as a person can hurt. I, I've... I have grieved. I don't know if you've ever really grieved, but I've grieved. And it hurts. And you only feel that because you're a person. He's not an it. He's a person. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Now, let me read that to you. So the end of Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, this is the last, the last thing he wrote before he wrapped up the letter. I was going to say put it in the mail. I guess he put it on a donkey and it went, but... 
2 Corinthians 13, 14, here's what it says. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the Son, and the love of God, there's the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that's the Helper, be with you. What, what, what do we get from that? What does that mean? It, it means that he wants to interact personally with us. The fellowship here, this, this is not um, an invitation to come with chicken to sit at a table and eat supper, right? You ever been to fellowship suppers, right? Potluck dinners, covered dish. What? That's not what it's about. Fellowship, here, this is a term of intimacy, friendship. That's what the Holy Spirit desires with us. We, we use formulas. We love people. And if I ever start treating Wendy like she's not a person, not going to go well in our marriage, right? We, we use formulas. We love and know people. He desires to have fellowship with us, but it's not just any kind of fellowship. Let's talk about the third one. He, he doesn't just want to be a person. He wants to be our friend. The Holy Spirit desires to be our friend. This fellowship word, I, I want to, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is such an intimate term. It's the, it's the Greek word koinonia. And we have so watered that down, right, in the church. It's like we're having fellowship. And in the church, fellowship means, again, sitting across the table and eating and maybe not even talking. Or it means that we go to a movie together. We had fellowship. How do you have fellowship? Fellowship is koinonia. It's friendship. It's intimacy. This is, this is close. This is the kind of level of a relationship where you're not calling her an it, right? This is close. Your closest friend, probably not as close as what that term in the Greek means. This is approaching the level of intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's what the Holy Spirit desires with you. John 14, 16 to 17. I want you to see this, okay? Um, and again, we trying to be real transparent here. A lot of us are in different places, right? A lot of us, we hear the term Holy Spirit and we go, yay! Or, oh no, what's going to happen now, right? Because depending on where you've been in your church walk, I don't know, in your Christian walk, I was raised Methodist. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. I fell in love with, and I went to the Simmons of God Church. They talked about the Holy Spirit, right? And then I'm, I met Wendy and we went to her Baptist church. And they didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, and they were learning Reformed and Presbyterian doctrine. Mm, they talked about the Holy Spirit, but kind of like, you know. And then I went to seminary, I got my master's at a place that said, hey, if you speak in tongues, don't do it here, right? I mean, like, I've been all over the map with this stuff. So when we say Holy Spirit, Pentecostal, we all have different reactions. It's okay to have different reactions, okay? What I want you to get this morning is this. He is not a transaction. He is not a power a formula. He is a person who wants to be your friend. And here's how I know. John chapter 14. Jesus is talking. I did not know this until this week when I was studying. But John 14, 15, and 16 is spoken to the disciples. This is, at, I mean, this is the last supper. This is the last time he's together. Literally hours from when he said this, he's dead. So this is really important stuff, isn't it? Like this is the stuff you say to your friend before you take your last breath. That's important stuff. You don't beat around the bush. Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Like, who's that? Who's the helper? And he continues, the spirit of truth. So we know we're talking about the Holy Spirit, right? You with me so far? Now here's the important part, okay? 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Let's just talk through that real quick. Jesus teaches that the world cannot have the Holy Spirit. Not will not, not a refusal. He says the world cannot accept him. Why can't they accept him? Because they don't have a relationship with him. Now, where I was raised in Pentecostal churches, the Holy Spirit was like a big Holy Spirit vending machine, right? And so you walked up to it with your spiritual quarters and you sang really loud, especially in the minor key, right? If it was in minor key, somebody's going to start dancing, whatever. So you did all the right things. You put the change in, you pushed it, and you got out some kind of power, feeling, whatever. And we treated the Holy Spirit like a big vending machine. And that's not who the Holy Spirit is. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. It's not what he desires. What he desires is a relationship. Anybody can put money in and get something out of a vending machine, but not anybody has a relationship. He says the world cannot accept him because they do not know him. But you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you know the Holy Spirit. I love what Jesus said here. He says, because he lives with you and will be in you. In my house, here's who lives in my house. Me, bless you, Wendy, Parker, Will, Sydney. Bella is our dog. She's a Malchoodle because she's a Maltese, Chihuahua, and Poodle mixed. And then we have a fish. I don't know if the fish has a name, but we used to have like five fish, and now we have a fish, right? So the other fish are swimming with the fishies. Um, so we've got all these there, right, in the house. They're all family. I mean, I guess even the fish is kind of family, right? They're all family. And, and who doesn't live with me? Strangers, right? Now, if you walked up to me and said, um, Paul, I'm losing my place. Um, I'm going to be out in the cold. I, I need somewhere to hang out for a day or two. If we're friends, if we're friends, Wendy and I are going to have a conversation. More than likely, you're going to get our couch. Now, you're probably going to get the blue couch in the big room, and when you sit on it, you kind of sink way down because it's broken because we've got teenagers that don't know how to sit down. But whatever, right? You're going to sleep there, but you're going to come into our house, and you're going to be with us for a couple days. Now, if you said to us, I need to move in permanently. Okay, now we're going to have another conversation, Wendy and I are, and she's gracious, and she's going to be like, we can make it work. I'm going to be like, are you kidding me? But at least we'd have a conversation. Why? Because you're my friend. But let a stranger approach me today at Zaxby's and tell me, I really think I need to move in with you. We're not even having a discussion. I mean, you can call me cold hearted all you want, but a stranger's not going to move into my house. Why not? They're a stranger. We don't know them. Jesus said, I mean, just get the fact that how Jesus talks about us and the helper is in relationship terms. That's one thing that's important because in the weeks to come, we're going to start talking about what the Holy Spirit does. And if we're honest, that's the part that we're most excited about and most nervous about, right? What does he make us do? He makes us do nothing. Because he's not the enforcer. He's the helper. He wants to be more intimate with us and lead us somewhere. But he doesn't make us do anything. Because Jesus said it's not about a transaction, it's about a relationship. The Holy Spirit lives with us. That means he's family. It means he's friend. 
He's not a stranger. And when we keep him at a distance, we'll never have the stuff that Jesus promised. Friends don't embarrass us. Well, not usually, <laughs> at least not on purpose, right? They, they don't intentionally hurt us. They don't use us. This is really important. Friends are for us, and that's why we want to be with them, isn't it? I mean, I've got people in my life that I just love hanging out with them because I don't have to be anything. I can just be me. I know that they're for me, and so I want to be around them. I want to be with them. And if they came to me and said, hey, Paul, we love you. Dude, your breath is horrible. Well, it's probably true. And if a stranger told me that, I'm like, who are you? But if a friend tells me that, I'm like, do you have a breath mint, right? Friendship allows us to, to say things, to be comfortable with one another. It changes everything when you understand this. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your friend. He's on your side. He wants to help you. He's for you. It changes everything. Last week, we made it obvious that we need the helper's help. The reality is we won't trust his help if we don't know him. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I just want you to allow yourself to move a little closer to your friend. I want you to notice the progression. First, he's God. And that's not enough for the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just want to be God. He doesn't want to be a cold, distant God who's like dispensing power at some Holy Ghost vending machine, right? Now, um, if I ask, you know, we're all different here, right? I was raised Methodist, and then I was like at a Baptist church with my wife who was really a Presbyterian church, and then I, you know, then I was at a Simmons of God church. I mean, I've told you before, I'm a church mutt. I mean, I've got so much background, right? So I don't know everything about Jesus, but I know religion, right? I've been in church enough. I think I was born on a pew, so maybe you've been exposed to people that were crazy, weird, whatever. Maybe you haven't been. Maybe you know about Pentecost. Maybe you don't. But when, when I say Holy Spirit, we all have different reactions, don't we? But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to understand. God is not content to just be God. He's not content just to let you put some spiritual money in and push a button and get a little power from the Holy Spirit when you need it. That's not what he's about. He's not content to just be God. And so he's a person. He longs for you. He hurts with you. He wants to communicate to you. He desires to be intimate with us. But he wants to be that as a friend. One who is for us. And this might be challenging the way you see the, the helper. I don't know. But if, if we don't get anything else out of today, my hope is that you walk out of here going, you know what? I know the Holy Spirit. I know more about who he is. I don't have to be afraid of that. I can trust him. A friend is for us. And when they're for us, we want to be with them. When we know the helper, we can trust his help. When we know the helper, we can trust his help.